Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let no one say that our Lord Jesus lacks a sense of humor. See, we see it throughout the Gospels. We see it, you know, in the nicknames that he bestows on his followers. Uh, we see it in, for instance, the, the winking nudges that he sometimes points even at his opponents. And we see it most of all in the stories that he tells, the parables. These stories that often have colorful characters and outrageous plot lines. Perhaps none of them more colorful or more outrageous than Exhibit A of our Lord's sense of humor. This parable of the unjust steward, as it's called. Of course, not everybody gets the joke. Through the ages, countless interpreters have been scandalized by this story. They think, this couldn't possibly have come out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus. No, this just doesn't seem right. Because here we have Jesus. He, he tells a story of this guy who seems to be some sort of crooked manager. He does wrong. He gets canned. And then what's he do? He goes and he, he doubles down on his knavery. And what happens then? The manager, he, he commends him. He praises him. It's as though Jesus is telling us, all right, you see this thief? Now go and do likewise, right? It's like a backwards version of the Good Samaritan. This couldn't possibly come out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus. And some have said just that. One commentator says, uh, this parable breathes, uh, breathes a spirit that has not the least resemblance to the spirit of our Lord Jesus as he speaks to us in the gospel. No, this can't be Jesus that says this. This is nothing like the Jesus that we encounter elsewhere. And one early opponent of Christians, his name was Julian the Apostate, he pointed out that here we have this thievish knavery of a cunning rascal that Jesus would use as instruction. He says, no, look at you Christians, really, this is going to be one of your heroes? This is how you are going to live? This can't be right. But in my opinion, all of these takes miss the joke. All of this hand-wringing fails to notice that Jesus comes to this with a sense of humor. As he tells the story of this ridiculous manager who finally gets caught, goes out and does something. We'll talk more about what exactly he does. But then, at the end of it, the master says, You know what? i got to hand it to you. Yeah, I canned you just a little while ago, but at least you went out and you made the most of the moment. It's a joke. It's a laugh line at the end that Jesus is saying. Like, listen, guys, look at even the, the people out in the world, the sons of this age, as Jesus puts it, they are more shrewd than are the sons of light. No, he's not upholding this guy to be some hero of the faith, but he's saying what he does is something that all of us ought to emulate. And what is that? Well, see, the bottom line of this punchline is this. Jesus says we as Christians need to act with shrewdness. Shrewdness is the bottom line of this story. Now, you probably hadn't thought of shrewdness as being up at the top of all the Christian virtues, right? Faith, hope, love, and shrewdness. One of these is not like the other, right? And yet, here Jesus is telling us that this is a vital component of a faithful life. Well, first of all, what do we even mean by shrewdness? You might think of shrewdness this way. If we could succinctly define it, shrewdness, biblically speaking, is grasping the gravity of the situation and acting accordingly. Shrewdness is grasping the gravity of the situation and acting accordingly. 
That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what he is upholding for us. And why is that? Well, the story that he tells shows us. So let's go back through it a little bit. I want to draw your attention to a few of the details in the story so that we can see why shrewdness is so important for us as followers of Jesus. First of all, shrewdness is necessary because of the frailty of our sinful flesh. We need shrewdness because our sinful nature is weak. It's always giving in to temptations. And we see it in the story, of course, with this manager who gives in to the temptation to squander his master's wealth. He's the steward. He's the guy who's entrusted with the care of his, his master's estate. And yet, you know, for any bean counter, you can only count so many beans before you start to want to have a burrito of your own, if you catch my drift, right? And so what does this guy do? He, he's squandering, he's wasting his master's estate. It's interesting, the same word is used in the parable that comes right before this in Luke's Gospel, famous parable of the prodigal son. That word prodigal means wasteful or squandering, and Jesus uses the same word to describe that younger son, whom we usually call the prodigal son. And similarly, that prodigal son, he had been given everything by his father. He had that inheritance, and what did he do? He squandered it. He wasted it. He gave into that temptation and the, the frailty of his flesh. And what does that bring him to? Well, it brings him to what we might call a come-to-Jesus moment, right? Both for that younger son, the prodigal son, and also for the manager here. We have this great kind of soliloquy as Jesus is really just relishing his story. As he's, oh, what should I do? I'm too weak to, to dig, and I'm too proud to beg, unlike the temptations. And so, nobody? Okay. <clears throat> I think it's the temptations. Uh, I could be wrong. What am I going to do? So he has this kind of this come-to-Jesus moment where he finally has to face up to reality and tell the truth to himself. I have utterly failed. I have given in to temptation. So what does shrewdness mean in this situation, with these circumstances? In this case, shrewdness, grasping the gravity of your situation and acting accordingly, it means repentance. It means seeing I have been going down the wrong way. And if I'm going to be shrewd, if I'm going to grasp the gravity of this situation, I need to turn around. It's what repentance literally means. I need to change my mind and start going in the other direction. Shrewdness means repentance for this manager in this moment, and it means repentance for you and me too. For us to grasp the gravity of our sinfulness, especially in those kind of come-to-Jesus moments, which I've seen many times in my pastoral ministry, those times when folks really bottom out. It could be because of uh, an addiction. It could be because of a divorce or a death. And like the manager in the story here, you hit rock bottom. You say, what can I do now? You need to repent. But for us as followers of Jesus, you don't need to wait for rock bottom to repent. For us, this is a weekly practice. As we come, we gather together and we, we confess our sins. Uh, I don't deserve the mercy that I receive from you, Lord, because I have failed in countless ways. But it's not only a weekly practice, it's a, a daily habit. Day by day, you and I come to Jesus in confession and prayer, acknowledging the ways that we have not lived up to his perfect standard. And even more important than our coming to Jesus, he comes to you in his mercy and his forgiveness day by day. That's our Savior's daily habit. 
to forgive you, to restore you, and to lead you again to walk in his ways. So this is the the first reason why we need shrewdness, because of the frailty of our flesh. So it brings us to those points of repentance every day. But it not only, that's not the only reason why we need shrewdness. But in this story, we can also see we need shrewdness because of the opposition of the world. Because of the opposition of the world. And to see this, you're going to need to bear with me for a moment to give you a little bit of an alternative reading of this story, at least the way that we often hear it. There in verse 1, it tells us that charges were brought against the manager that he was wasting his master's possession. Charges were brought. Now, what's interesting is that phrase there, because it has a, a connotation in the original language of malice, of hostility. It could otherwise be translated as not just charges were brought, but slanderous charges were brought against this manager. It's the word that's used in the the Greek Old Testament to describe Daniel, what's done to Daniel by those opponents of him who are seeking to bring him down, who are accusing him falsely. And in fact, that same word is the basis of one of the names that we have for the devil, the diabolos. He is the accuser. And so there's a sense in which that perhaps, just perhaps, these charges that are brought against the manager aren't true, that they're unjust. Now, that raises other questions about the parable, questions that we can't get into this morning. But just stay with us for a moment here, because it is undoubtedly the case that for the people of God, you're going to need shrewdness because you are going to encounter opposition from the world. You're going to encounter folks who run contrary to the ways of the kingdom of God. And what are you going to do? In this case, shrewdness, grasping the gravity of that opposition, what it means is having a a kind of sanctified skepticism, if I can put it that way. Shrewdness, when it comes to the opposition of the world, means that you and I need a kind of sanctified skepticism. None other than Jesus himself calls us to this. In another similar verse, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells the disciples about this opposition of the world. He says, I'm sending you out in the midst of wolves, and therefore what should you do? He says, and so you need to be as innocent as doves and as what? As shrewd as serpents. The same word in Matthew 10 that's used here in this parable. As shrewd as serpents. You need a kind of sanctified skepticism about the ways of the world. That doesn't mean that we become jaded and callous. It doesn't mean that as Christians we harden our heart to the world. But it does mean that we're a little bit circumspect especially when the world starts sidling up, trying to befriend us a little bit too much. There's a famous saying, I'm not sure who it's attributed to, but that anyone who would dine with the devil ought to use a long spoon. Hmm. Whoever would dine with the devil ought to use a long spoon. That's a call for us as Christians to have some sanctified skepticism in our age. And let me lift up one particular way in which I see this being a challenge for us as believers. See, within our contemporary climate, there can be a real desire for power. And when it comes to worldly power, we as Christians too, we can't be immune sometimes to that same longing and desire to be in charge, to be in control. We need to be careful here. This calls for shrewdness, some sanctified skepticism, that when the world suddenly says, oh yeah, we'll take some of that religious stuff, yeah, we could use that. I mean, we love you, right? We ought to be a little bit on our guard with that. He who dines with the devil ought to use a long spoon. That's the shrewdness that our Savior calls for when it comes 
to our dealings with the world. Then one more thing about why we need shrewdness, and this is the, maybe strikes at the closest to the heart of the story and the reason that Jesus tells it. We need shrewdness, not just because of the frailty of our flesh, the opposition of the world, but also and especially because the time is short. The time is short. The manager in the story, he recognizes he's been canned. He's just about to be hoisted out on his petard. He's not going to have a place to stay. He's not going to have any finances. The time is short. Suddenly those moments are slinking away like a a leaking hourglass. What is he going to do? For him then, he's got to have shrewdness. He needs to to act with dispatch. He's got to act quickly. Desperate times call for desperate measures, even if it means sacrificing yourself. And here's where we need a little bit more background in what's going on in this story with what precisely it is that the manager does. He suddenly has this epiphany. Ah, I know what I'll do to make sure that I'll have a, a place to stay. He goes out and he calls in the managers or the master's debtors one by one. He says, hey, uh, how, how much do you owe my master? A hundred shares of oil. Go ahead and cross it out and write 50. Well, what's he doing there? Is he just cheating his master once again? No. See, in that uh, ancient world, the role of the manager was to be the go-between, of course, between the master and his debtors. And the way that it would work is this. The master would say, here's the fixed price. Here's what I need to get, whether it be for wheat or oil or what have you. And as for you, the manager, go ahead and charge what you think you can get. And whatever you're able to get over and above that fixed price is yours to keep. It's your commission, so to speak. And so this manager has been going out and the master says, I need 50 for this. And he says, you know what? I bet you I can get 100, right? And so now he's suddenly faced with this where he's about to lose his job. He has one last-ditch effort as he's able to call in his master's debtors. And what he could do, what he could do, is try to squeeze just a little bit more to have just this short-term focus and say, maybe I can get a little bit more commission in this last chance that I've got. But instead shrewdly he says no instead i am going to be gracious i'm going to sacrifice my own commission take that 100 and cross it out and say that it's 50. he sacrifices himself for the sake of those debtors and for the sake of his future dwellings you follow with me in this case shrewdness means gambling on grace Hmm. Shrewdness with when the time is short means gambling on grace and the, the goodwill of others, but also, I'll say, on your master. See, the, the steward, the manager, he gambles that after all of this, the boss isn't going to be not only firing him, but perhaps casting him into the eternal fires. And that gamble pays off. For us as believers, what does that mean? that we all need to go to Little River Casino? That's not the message today, guys. Not the message. Uh, But it means that we trust our Master, our Heavenly Father, dauntlessly, boldly. We cast all our cares on Him because He cares for us. We're able to gamble on His grace, knowing that He has provided everything for our needs, even, especially, when it looks foolish in the eyes of the world. For you and me, to lean on him so wholly, to trust, on, trust in him so fully. In this respect, 
I think of a, a fool for the kingdom, a guy by the name of Jim Elliot, a famous modern martyr of the Christian faith. Jim Elliot was a rising star. He uh, excelled at Wheaton College. It looked like he could do anything that he wanted to do. And what did he decide to do? He wanted to be a missionary more than anything else, to bring the good news to people in far-flung lands. And so he ends up going down to Ecuador, to South America, and there he encounters a tribe that was not interested in the message of the gospel. And long story short, ultimately Jim Elliot lays down his life, precisely from those people that he went to go and to bring the good news of the gospel, he ends up losing his life at the end of the spear. And many people would look at that. Critics and skeptics would say, oh, see, look, this is how foolish it was. Here was a guy who could have done anything in the States, something that was safe, something that was prosperous, something that was going to, to earn him a good income. And instead, he has to go into some far-flung lands. And not only that, he loses his life. See how foolish that was. This is not the way that any of us ought to act. Don't follow in his footsteps. Was he a fool? Or was he precisely shrewd the way the Savior calls it? Maybe the most famous line from Jim Elliot was a reflection that he wrote in his diary, a reflection on this very parable, this story from Luke 16. And what Mr. Elliot wrote in his diary was this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Foolish? No. Shrewd. Shrewd in the ways of the kingdom. Gambling everything on God's grace. And you know, in the final analysis, the reason that we as followers of Jesus seek to live with shrewdness is because we have a shrewd Lord. You know, you can look at this story through squinty eyes, and there you can see our Savior. He is the one who encountered the opposition of the world, who, who suffered the slings and arrows of those who meant him harm, who, who leveled all of those malicious charges. Jesus is the one who then acted with dispatch in order to forgive his master's debtors. And why did he do that? In order to secure eternal dwellings, not for himself, but for us. Jesus is the one who squandered, so the world thought, all that the Father had entrusted to him for the sake of others, who gambled ultimately on the Father's grace and was rewarded. He is the one who finally was vindicated and commended by God Almighty, the one who had said, this is my beloved son, listen to him, and who finally says, this is my beloved son, whom I have raised from the dead. He commends him eternally. He is our shrewd savior. No unjust steward that, but instead, he gives us his mercy and forgiveness, crossing out our debts and making us his own. We live with shrewdness because we belong to a shrewd savior. And so we repent each and every day, coming to Jesus, but even more than that, letting him come to us. We recognize the challenges of the world and respond with some circumspect, sanctified skepticism. And most of all, we gamble on God's grace, knowing he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Because finally, we live this way because we know that we belong to Christ Jesus, our Savior with a sense of humor, the Lord who most assuredly gets the last laugh.
Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.